can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of the Auburn Undercover and Inside the Auburn Tigers podcast. I am Keith Niebuhr and I'm joined by two veteran reporters of the Auburn Beat from Inside the Auburn Tigers, Mark Murphy and Jason Caldwell. And they're here this week as they do every week to break down Auburn's upcoming game. This week for the Tigers, it's the Bayou Bengals of LSU, which comes to, or who comes to, Jordan-Hare Stadium for a 2.30 p.m. Central Time game Saturday. A big one for, for both teams. Auburn's 3-2. and two. I mean, gosh, guys, they're all big right now. But Auburn's 3-2. and two. LSU's 2-2. Two and two. Both teams have been incredibly inconsistent. They're both trying to kind of navigate their way through this difficult season. Uh, they've both had some injury challenges that they've had to deal with. Uh, and we will start uh, on the side of the ball with LSU where they've had the biggest challenge and, and that's quarterback. Well, the biggest injury challenge, I should say, not the biggest challenge. Let me correct myself. Uh, Miles Brennan's out with a lower body injury. TJ Finley will start for the second week in a row, but guys, just your, your general thoughts of where you think Auburn is right now as it heads into this big game. We'll start with you, Mark. You know, right now the Tigers have got to get a little bit better on defense, especially against the run, because I think, you know, with a true freshman quarterback, LSU is going to come out and try to establish the ground game right away on Saturday. And, uh, you know, Auburn is traditionally one of the leaders in the SEC in rushing defense. And right now they're near the bottom of the league. And uh, that's just not like a Kevin Steele defense. So that's the really big area I see that needs improvement. You know, LSU has been incredibly inconsistent in pass coverage and, uh, so Auburn's got an opportunity there on Saturday if they'll take advantage of it. All right, Jason, what do you think? Where, where is Auburn right now? Are they in a good spot? Are they in a not-so-good spot? Or, you know, five weeks into the season, do we not still know really what Auburn is yet? Yeah, I think it's a, I think that's a question you can say about a lot of teams around the country right now. But I, I, yeah. I do think the offense is kind of finding its footing a little bit more. Um, obviously, you know, Brandon Council um, done for the rest of the year. I, I do think Keandre Jones is a good fit there. The, the problem is if you have another injury or two, Brandon Council was kind of your, um, your utility man that can, can you know, he was your Swiss Army knife that could play everywhere. Well, you know, you don't have that. So the, and a couple, another injury or two could really impact you a lot on the offensive line. I do think the offense is kind of finding its footing a little bit, finding, a, you know, Tank Bigsby in that running game, kind of settling in some. I agree with Mark. I think the issue is, is defensively right now. And I think it, I think it's a little bit of a pattern for me. And, and obviously teams throwing the ball a lot more, um, you know, and, and, and so Auburn, I think, is, is playing by design a lot of times to not give up big plays in the passing game. But with that, they're giving up a lot of rushing yardage. And that even goes back to last year. Even with Derrick Brown and Marlon Davidson and those guys up front, if Georgia had a lot of rushing yards. Alabama had 180-something rushing yards. Minnesota had over 200 in the bowl game. This is something that's carried over to last season. So uh, I think it's an issue, and uh, I think – Mark's right on, right on the money. Um, you've got to make the freshman quarterback beat you throwing the football. If you let LSU run it on Saturday, that's, 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 that's not a great thing. All right, well, let's start with the LSU offense. The Tigers average 42 points a game, 485 yards a game. Uh, that ranks third uh, in the SEC behind only Alabama and Ole Miss. 
344 passing yards a game, 144 rushing yards a game. And, uh, you know, uh, one other key stat, 30, about 35% on third down. And that's an area, obviously, where Auburn's defense really hasn't been great this season. But Miles Brennan, the team's starting quarterback, again, he's out, likely out, we think. That's what uh, Coach Orgeron, Ed Orgeron of LSU, is saying, likely out with a lower body injury. This would be the second straight game. T.J. Finley, uh, a young guy, uh, made his first start, I believe, last week, 17-21, 265 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Eight rushes for 24 yards and a TD and a big win over South Carolina. I think LSU won 52 to 24, even though South Carolina averaged about eight yards a play, which is really incredible to lose by that much. But uh, he did some nice things. So, guys, here's the question, though. South Carolina didn't have anything to really prepare for. They didn't know what they were up against with T.J. Finley. Auburn now does. They have that film from last week. What kind of challenge is he going to provide the Auburn defense? Well, I think the challenge is the guy's so big. Keith, that I mean, he can see right over the pass rush. He's 6'6, about 260 pounds. Not sure how good a runner he is. He carried the ball one time, um, you know, actually eight times for 24 yards last week and a touchdown. But where he was really dangerous, you know, he completed 81% of his passes, two touchdowns and just one interception. And, uh, you know, to me, that's pretty good because, you know, Will Muschamp's pretty good defensive coach and they pretty much shredded South Carolina's defense and that was surprising on the other side that was just crazy you know watching that game coming back from Oxford I just kept wondering why is South Carolina you know not running the ball more to, to keep the ball away from that LSU offense which is averaging 42 points a game because South Carolina was having uh, you know success doing that but they get kept giving the ball back to, to LSU and LSU took advantage of it with the ground game and uh, with a young quarterback stepping up and playing without any kind of look pressure, it looked like to me. He was just as calm as could be. Jason, the LSU offense, uh, you know, they've got some balance. You got the wide receiver, the great wide receiver, we should point out, Terrace Marshall, six feet three, 200 pounds. He's, a, he's got 27 catches for 512 yards, about 19 yards a catch, nine touchdowns already this season through four games. Uh, tight end Eric Gilbert or Rick Gilbert, I, I've heard it pronounced both ways, 16 catches. Then they've got two pretty good running backs, uh, Davis Price and John Emery combined. They have 470 yards. Uh, both of them averaging uh, right around, well, one of them's at 4.9. John Emery's at 5.8 yards a carry. So they're getting a lot out of the running game as well. Both those guys, we should point out, can catch the ball. They have a combined 11 receptions between them. The longest run for LSU this season, though, is only 35 yards, which is which is pretty interesting given that they're such a good passing team. You would think that that would have opened up something for longer runs, uh, but that hasn't been the case. But it's a pretty balanced attack, isn't it, Jason? It is, but it's a lot of that's kind of come the last couple of weeks. You know, last week was by far the best running game that they've had. Um, and, and you're right, I think a little bit with that was not really sure. And it's probably some of LSU, much like Auburn has done with a true freshman quarterback going, we, we got to get better at running the football. So they kind of stuck to it a little bit more last week, gave those guys a little bit more work, and it paid off for them. And, you know, Auburn last week against Ole Miss, a team that, you know, was, was a big play threat passing the ball, kind of sat back a little bit, uh, didn't didn't bring a lot of pressure, had a three-man front a lot of the time. That's kind of what Auburn did against LSU last year on defense. Um, when you look at, at T.J. Finley back there, I, I just – I think the thing that Auburn's got to do is they got to get him off his mark. You can't let him stand in the pocket because he stood back there and it was 7-on-7 uh, seven seven for him a lot of the night. Auburn's got to get him moving 
get him his eyes somewhere else because, uh, you know, like like I said, it's just it's just kind of um, you know uh, you know just easy. Um, you know, like I said, you know dove hunt back there for him. He just picking off birds left and right because there was no pressure. Auburn's got to be able to get in his face. Uh, you know, when you look at the LSU offense, obviously they lost the Heisman Trophy winner and several good players. But they also lost the guy that was really the mastermind behind the offense, Joe Brady, who's now with the Carolina Panthers. Either one of you can answer this one. Aside from the talent part, have you noticed any ways in which they're different this year? Or are they pretty much trying to do a lot of the same concepts? You know, it looks to me like they're running the same offense. And uh, Steve Ensminger is uh, calling the plays. And I think he's done a pretty good job. Just look at the numbers. You know, LSU's – you know, or the reason they're two and two is not because of the offense. It's because of the defense. Jason, any thoughts there? Yeah, I yeah, I think you look at this. It, it's pretty similar. Um, you know, it starts with getting the ball to Terrace Marshall. That's that's what they do the best. He's when you have nine touchdowns in four games as a wide receiver, um, that is the definition of big play. And so for Auburn, you got to know where he is at all times. Um, but I do think. I think it starts with the, with with them being able to run the football. Uh, you know, Miles Brennan, they were kind of back there slinging it, um, and it, it hurt their defense. I think, you know, if you're Ed Orgeron, it's it's almost like what Auburn's done. You get back to your roots a little bit to know that, that we got to run the ball a little bit more. Um, so I, I don't know that we'll see them throw it quite as much, but they're going to throw the football um, because the strength of this team still, you know, you know like I said, Terrence Marshall, and then Eric Gilbert is is a mismatch and a half. They'll line him up. You know, last weekend they lined him up several times. They single wide receiver with three wide receivers on the other side. What do you do as a defense? The guy's six six two forty five. Who do you put on a guy like that who has wide receiver skills? Um, they're going to do some of those things to try to find the mismatch. That's what they've continued to do. That's probably the thing that stands out the most to me. Yeah, Gilbert Gilbert would concern me if I'm Auburn, especially given that, that there have been games historically, at least in recent years, where they've been hurt pretty bad by the opposing tight ends. But let me ask you guys this. You, you both have mentioned that Auburn's got to stop that the, the LSU run or at least slow it down, contain it, whatever the word is I'm looking for here. What can you guys tell us about the O-line of LSU versus the D-line of Auburn? What do we know about that matchup? Does either team have an advantage there? Yeah, I don't know about that. The uh... – you know, Auburn's certainly got a lot of work to do on the defensive front for uh, as far as stop and run. But if you look at LSU's numbers for the year, they're only averaging 3.9 yards per rush, and that's pretty bad. That's one of the worst in the SEC right now. So, uh, you know, LSU has got some threats. The guys you mentioned, Davis Price and John Emery, are really good running backs, but they haven't consistently had a lot of running room. Uh, let me guys. Uh, let me ask you guys this one final question related to LSU's offense versus the Auburn defense. If you're Auburn, what is your and I'll and I'll give this to both of you. What is your single greatest reason for optimism and your single greatest concern facing LSU? Jason, let's start with you. Yeah, my, optimism, concern. My reason for optimism would be that that they haven't, you know, until last week lined up and run the football a great deal. Um, that would be my reason for optimism. My reason for concern would be that if I'm Auburn, the thing I haven't done very well is, is create pressure on the quarterback um, with a team that is averaging 42 points a game, much like really any team right now in college football or football in general. If you can't get to the quarterback, then you're going to have issues. And if Auburn can't get there with three or four, then you have to get there with five or six. 
and all of a sudden you start talking about Reed Gilbert, Terrace Marshall, those guys in, in single coverage. And, and that's where it becomes dangerous for Auburn. Mark? Yeah, I, I agree with Jason. I've been, you know, on this theme going back to August about where's the pass rush coming from? Is it coming from the outside? Is it coming from the inside? Have you got anybody who's going to step up and, and be that alpha male rushing the quarterback? And right now, they don't have anybody doing that. Now, we, Big Cat Bryant was a guy who was a preseason all-SEC pick, but, you know, based on what he'd done previously, you know, that was a bit of a stretch, I thought. He's been hurt. Gus Malzahn said that he's about as close to 100% as he's been in a, as a while, in a while. So this is a game he needs to really step up and do it. And several other guys need to need to do it as well. So uh, I'm, you know, from I'm Auburn going in this game and Kevin Steele, I'm definitely concerned about getting pressure on the quarterback. And to do that, you're probably going to have to see him use the linebackers at times, occasionally a safety blitz and maybe even a cornerback blitz. And that opens you up to the big play. Now, a reason for optimism with Auburn, I don't think LSU is as good as they've been in recent years. And uh, I think Auburn's highly motivated to win this game, both players and coaches. Combine that with home field advantage, even though it's definitely negated in this COVID era, I think Auburn's got a real chance to win on Saturday, Keith. All right, let's take a look at LSU's defense, which ain't been great, guys. Uh, you had the 44-point the uh uh, game where they allowed 44 to Mississippi State in the opener when Mississippi State threw for over 600 yards. Week two, not so bad. Seven points allowed against Vanderbilt. I think that was after the game LSU people said, okay, they're back. Well, they weren't back because the next week Missouri scored 45. And then even last week, again, South Carolina had a lot of yards in that 52-24 to 24 loss. And, and it wasn't like it was all yardage. 403, by the way, by the end of the game. It wasn't like it was all yardage after the game was a blowout either. I mean, they moved the ball really from start to finish. Uh, in fact, again, 403 yards, eight yards uh, per play in that game. But then you look at Auburn's offensive numbers. Ninth in the SEC in total offense. Tenth in passing yards a game. Sixth in rushing yards a game. Eighth in scoring. Getting better. You look at the last three games, Arkansas 446 yards, South Carolina 481 yards. You take away the turnovers, Auburn might score 35 in that game. And then last week against Ole Miss, 462. Uh, South Carolina and Ole Miss aren't exactly great defensive teams, though. Is it any coincidence, and we'll start with you, Jason, that Auburn's offense, though, has picked up not just because of who they play, but because the running game has gotten going. And Tank Bigsby, three straight 100-yard games. How much has that made the offense at Auburn better? Yeah, I think it's been huge, and I think it's part of the learning and evolution of an offense. I think they came into the season thinking that, and and you know, you look at the strength of this team; it should be quarterback and wide receivers, and those guys are still playmakers. But you know, we talked about this some in the preseason that the, the potential of this offensive line was that they might be more physical than last year's offensive line. They might not be as good in terms, especially pass blocking, but they had a chance to be more physical. You combine that with Tank Bigsby, a guy breaking tackles left and right and extending plays, and all of a sudden the running game has, has taken on a different turn. Well, when you do that, you go, man, we got to rethink maybe how we're doing things on offense a little bit. And they've done that the last couple of weeks. It's worked out well. And now you're adding what you had already developed in the passing game. Now you can execute some of those things because you're not you know, facing third and long every play. Um, and so I think that's been a big deal for this offense. Um, but, you know, it to me, it, it starts with Tank Bixby. And this is – you're right. You know, you get back to, to last week, South Carolina, 
South Carolina's two running backs, 19 carries, 175 yards. They just couldn't run the ball enough because they gave up pick six and had a kickoff return for a touchdown. They missed three field goals. They got out of the game and had to start throwing it, and that's just not what they can do. There's going to be some opportunities in the run game for Auburn on Saturday. Mark, let's get some perspective here with Tank Bigsby. You've covered Auburn for a lot of years, okay? Uh, we're not going to tell everybody how old you are or anything like that. Don't worry. I mean, you, you look uh, you, you look good, however old you are. But listen, you've been covering Auburn for decades. Uh, tell me your first year at Auburn. And then tell me, is there anybody that Tank Bigsby compares to as a true freshman? I mean, this is – this is <laughs> this guy's unique now. You know, if I'd had to pick a guy from, from fairly recent past, I'd say maybe Michael Dyer, who was a freshman in 2010 on the – national championship team because he's a guy who had a lot of yards after contact and he was a wide body, strong running back, but uh, he's not the same type type of running back as Dyer. He's better at making people miss. And the thing I like about uh, Tank Bigsby, Keith, and you and Jason saw him a lot more in high school than I did. Um, He's just relentless and uh, you know, I don't know what percentage of yards after contact he has this year, but I would say it's probably 55 to 60% of his yardage after wow. he's been initially hit. Hey, before I move on, you didn't answer the first part. What was your first year covering Auburn? Uh, probably 1970. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, it just seems like that is, you just don't hear a lot of people talk about that decade anymore. And it was such a wild decade in the SEC. And it's funny. And I was talking to somebody earlier this year, Mark, that was really kind of one of those decades where it was the last time where the teams in the SEC were playing schedules like they are this year. Now you weren't playing 10 SEC games, but your non-conference games would be against a pit or on Arkansas, which was then in the Southwest Conference, you really had those great schedules back in the 70s, and some pretty good coaches had not so great records in many years. But, Mark, I wanted to ask you this, too, with, with Tank Bigsby. Uh, you know, they talk about him already becoming a leader, uh, just being a guy in these workouts, off-season workouts that from day one showed those leadership skills. You know, I, how uncanny is that for a young guy to come in and do that part of it? I mean, look, obviously he's got this unbelievable ability, but a lot of freshmen are seen and not heard, and he's he's heard, apparently. Yeah, and, you know, it was such an unusual offseason. Um, you know, I'm impressed that he was able to come in there and, and do that and, you know, earn respect from his coaches, earn respect from his teammates right away. And just also consider this things have really fallen into place for him because the two guys he's competing with for the number one job, they've been hurt. Uh, DJ Williams hasn't really been healthy the whole year. Um, and then Sean Shivers opens the season as the starter and then gets hurt in the first half of, of the, of the uh, first game and, and didn't come back and play until last week. So I'm not taking anything away from Bigsby, but, it's set up nicely for him, and you know, yeah, good points. Yeah, to do that. You got to, you got to be in the right place at the right time, but you've got to have the right stuff to take advantage of the opportunity. I got to be honest; I had no idea he was this good because when I saw him play in high school, and Jason, I'll get to you talking about Bo and Seth here in a second. But when I saw Tank Bigsby in high school, the the couple times I saw him, he got hurt, and and that was kind of one of the issues. You know, how durable would he be? And now you look at him, and you're like. He looks pretty dog, pretty doggone durable. Uh, but Jason, 
that play from Bo Nix to Seth Williams last week, the 58-yard go-ahead touchdown in the fourth quarter, how big do you think that's going to be for Bo Nix? Unbelievable throw, unbelievable play by, by Seth Williams, but it, it doesn't happen what he did if Bo doesn't make the all-time perfect throw there. Yeah, I think it. I think that drive, and I think the drives they had throughout the day, it, it doesn't happen a whole lot of times when you have five touchdown drives of 79 yards or more in the same game. That's what they were able to do. But that throw, I tell you what, being my vantage point as as a photographer Saturday was was basically on the 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 old the old school photo deck right outside the press box at Bald Hemingway Stadium. Well, because of that, those last few plays, I was able to get photos, and because I'm so far away, I got the, a photo of the entire pocket. And Bo Nix was able to step up in the pocket on the throw down to to uh, Anthony Schwartz, the crossing route where he got out of bounds, and then the play to Seth as well. He was able to step up in the pocket. That's when you know Ole Miss knew that they were throwing the football. Um, to me, it all came together at the right time for them, and I think it could be a huge boost moving forward because that's when Keandre Jones was in the game. Um, they knew they had to throw the football, um, but I thought Seth, the Auburn moved him around, moved him in the slot, they did some things with him that they haven't done much of in, in the last year and a half with him. Um, they were able to get some mismatches, and that's kind of what we've been calling for, going, look, all these other teams are moving their best player around the field and daring the other team to, like, okay, well, you're going to move your best corner to inside, then, then okay, that I'll give us a matchup outside. Auburn did that and, and got some key third down stops, I mean, third down conversions out of it. I thought the way the whole game went – um, was a huge step. But, yeah, when you make a play like that uh, and a couple of plays that they made together, that's that's a big boost. Okay, well, you, you know, you were talking about matchups, and I was going to uh, ask you this. So, obviously, LSU's defense has not been good, but they do have some capable secondary players, obviously Derek Stingley, uh, Cordell Flott, a one-time Auburn commit. Uh, so, they're probably going to put a lot, of, a lot of heat on Seth Williams. So, who for Auburn's got to step up, and how important is it that Bo – uh, doesn't just lock in with Seth this week. I think without a doubt, Eli Stoke needs to have a big game. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that Bo Nix has got a good rapport with. He's caught a lot of passes the last couple of years. You know, he was hurt uh, in the Georgia game. He's back out and he's played well recently. So I'm expecting uh, that he will get a lot of targets on Saturday. I'm also expecting uh, Derek Stingley, uh, junior to go out there and be matched up with Seth Williams wherever he goes. And if that happens, uh, Anthony Schwartz is going to get some one-on-one -on -one coverage, I do believe, particularly if they're giving some help to Stingley. And uh, he's got a chance to make some big plays too. And they need to hit Schwartz when he's running north-south, not east and west. Interesting. Jason, your thoughts? I think the thing to watch for this week is LSU is so aggressive, uh, especially their corners and coming up, and, and we've seen Auburn struggle in throwing some of those bubbles. And, and I talked about it in, in my Monday morning quarterback this week about how Auburn has to improve, you know, the perimeter blocking to, 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 to you know, to, to break some of those plays and, and to, to turn them into from five-yard gains into 40- or 50-yard gains. I think the thing to look for this week is we've seen a little bit of it, but not much. Um, is Auburn running the blocker by somebody? And, and I mean, LSU will jump those routes in a heartbeat. Well, this may be an opportunity to take some shots over the top of those, you know, uh, play action out of that, pump fake it, do something. I think you've got to make LSU pay, and, and they're going to have to take some shots down the field. Now, the issue is 
you got to do those in early downs. You can't – I don't think you can try that on third down, third and long, um, because of the way LSU can rush the passer. Jason, on this side of the ball, what's the toughest matchup for Auburn? Yeah, um, these two tackles um, going against these LSU pass rushers. Um, B.J. Ojolari, another guy that yeah. we saw a lot of in the recruiting process. We knew he was ultra-quick pass rusher, Keith. He's shown up more than maybe we even expected him to this early in his career because he's not the – He's not 6'5", you know, 265, but what he is is cat quick, and he has been a load. He already has four sacks coming off the edge. So, to me, how Auburn can protect off the edge, um, you know, John Samuel Schenker, you know, the, the, one of the biggest issues this week is, is if there's no D.J. Williams, who's Auburn's, you know, third down back. He's been a guy that they counted on to be in that role. Without him, who do you have as a guy that you trust as a – you know, protector for Bo or to, to catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, that's a question that, that you know, we may not get an answer to until Saturday. All right, Mark, when you look at Auburn's offense versus LSU's defense, give me a couple of matchups you like for Auburn. You know, LSU's secondary in the Missouri game and in the Mississippi State game, they look dazed and confused. <laughs> there were some people about as wide open as I've ever seen in an SEC game, and they were – arguing with each other in the secondary. The defensive coordinator, Bo Pelini, was yelling at people on the sidelines, and uh, they, they were definitely not on the same page. And, uh, you know, Ed Orgeron said that they've simplified what they're doing on defense. So I'm going to be curious to see, uh, you know, how much progress they've made uh, because I didn't think South Carolina did a very good job passing the game or passing the ball or protecting the quarterback last week to really test that LSU secondary. So I think there's some possibilities for the explosive plays, those 20-yard-plus gains to be made on Saturday. But to, the, to make that easier to happen, if Auburn starts knocking off five and six yards per rushing play with Tank Bigsby, that's going to put LSU's defense in a bind, I think. But uh, it's easier said than done, but the possibility is there for Auburn. Uh, LSU leads the all-time series 31-22-1. and one. They've won three straight. A lot of these games have been close, though, and, and close games come down to special teams. Uh, so what do we know about the special teams right now? Does either team have the edge? Obviously, Auburn had the 100-yard return by Bigsby called back last week by a holding uh, penalty that was uh, just debatable. Uh, but also they had a couple bad snaps. Punt returns have been not so great this year. You had the uh, – I'm not forgetting. You had the play with Sean Shivers. Whether he touched or didn't touch the kickoff, it, it wasn't a great play regardless. Uh, so does either team have a special team's edge? Because obviously Anders Carlson can kick the heck out of the football, and it looks like Oscar Chapman has some real potential as a punter. But Auburn hasn't been super clean on special teams. Is there an edge for one team or the other this weekend, guys? Yeah, I, I think you look at LSU, and, and they're, they're really, really solid on special teams. They do everything well. I mean – you know, didn't even throw in a couple of bad snaps for Auburn last week on, on, on special teams as well. LSU has been solid. You know, um, the punter was Zach Von Rosenberg. He's about 47 yards, uh, really good. Um, and, and can Auburn at least hold their own in the punt game? Eli Stove was a help at least catching the football last week. and, and not Yeah, yards. yeah, no doubt. Yeah, yeah but, that, you're right. Sorry, Jason. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, Auburn's, you know, coverage on kicks. LSU had a kick return for a touchdown. Um, you know, Andres Carlson needs to be kicking the ball out of the end zone. Um, we don't need to give LSU any opportunities because, Mark, I don't know how many times we've seen it 
even in just the past 20 years, special teams being a, a bugaboo for Auburn against LSU and losses. Yeah, under – oh, go ahead, Jace. Uh, Mark, I'm sorry. And, you know, another guy to keep an eye on is Derek Stingley as a punt returner. He's got 92 yards on three attempts this year with the longest of 48. Trey Palmer's averaging 45 yards on kickoff returns and had that one – he took the distance against South Carolina. So, uh, you know, one thing about Malzahn's teams we've seen since he was head coach in 2013, they've been pretty much bulletproof on the basics of special teams like getting the ball snapped – getting it the right place at the right time, not having punts blocked, not having field goals blocked, uh, not having bad snaps. So it was really pretty shocking to see the uh, bad PAT snap and also the high snap on the punt that cost them 25 yards and a lot of field positions. So, you know, this has been a point of emphasis this week, getting that fixed. And uh, that's going to be certainly something to watch because, you know, think of back to the – that game that started the winning streak in this series for LSU. Auburn was up, I think it was 20 to nothing down in Baton Rouge in 2017. Auburn gave up a punt return for a touchdown, totally changed the momentum, and LSU came back and won the game. Jason, I, I liked your point about Eli Scove returning punts. Uh, you know, Christian Tutt had been returning them, and so many of them had gotten past him. He had let them bounce, and they were losing you know, 10, 15 yards a clip, and those hidden yards – I mean, they really do cost you in those tight SEC games. All right, guys, let's get toward the end here. Uh, I'll start with you, Mark. Just who's your key player this week for Auburn? Who, who is it? One guy. I know that's tough. You got one guy for me? I won't say Bo Nix because uh, LSU's previous past from the Missouri game in particular and the Mississippi State game at just struggling defending the pass. And uh, if he can – sit back there in the pocket and calmly hit his receivers, Auburn's going to have a good chance to win. Jason? Yeah, I mean, obviously you always start with a quarterback. I think uh, I think it ties in with the running game and, and the ability to, for them to protect Bo with that, with that LSU pass rush. But I'll go somebody different. On the other side of the ball, <clears throat> the same equation, Big Cat Bryant. It's, it's, it's time. Um, it's time for him to show, um, you know, what he was as a recruit, what he was preseason. This is the opportunity because LSU is going to throw the football and they're going to have an opportunity to rush the passer. And you don't have a guy that's a, uh, you know, Kyler Murray that's going to dance around to it. He's a big guy. You can, but, but there's going to be some opportunities. Auburn has to get him at least off his mark. You don't have to sack him a bunch of times, but they need to let him know they're there. And so for me, Big Cat, Ryan, Derek Hall, whoever it is, somebody on that defensive line has to step up and have a big day. All right, Jason, let's stick with you. Prediction on the game. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think being at home is a big deal here. I, you know, this LSU defense, if they were, if, if this was a, you know, just a, a marginally better defense than, than because of their offense, I would say that, that they were going to win. The defense hasn't done much to this point. Um, I'm not a big believer in Bo Pelini. Um, I think Auburn wins the game. I think it's going to be different than most Auburn LSU games are, though. Most Auburn LSU games, you look up and it's 17 to 13. I don't think that's going to be this year. I think it's going to be, a mid thirties to low thirties game. Uh, I think Auburn at home, um, you know, is the difference. Okay. Mark, what you got? Yeah, I, I think that's makes a lot of sense. And, you know, without miles Brennan, um, assuming that's really accurate that he's not going to play. I think that's advantage Auburn because this will be the first road game for the freshman quarterback Finley. So I think Auburn's going to win this game uh, about 31, 27, somewhere in that range. And, uh, you know, 
Auburn's really motivated, I think, based on what happened the last couple of years. There's still some guys on this team who are involved in those games. And uh, I think they understand it's an important game for the season. It's starting the second half of the schedule. Uh, they'll be their sixth straight game. They'll get a week off uh, next week to regroup and, and uh, get going for the stretch run. So, you know, if, if they win this game and get to 4-2, they've got a chance to have a decent season. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Mark. I, you know, I, if it seems like if this this off week comes at the perfect time, then you've got two opponents that are struggling. I mean, gosh, Tennessee very well could be two and five when it heads to Jordan Hare Stadium in a few weeks. So the perfect time for Auburn to head into the bye week with a big win, if it can pull it off. Guys, thank you very much for stopping by and joining us on the show. That was uh, Mark Murphy and Jason Caldwell of Inside the Auburn Tigers. I'm Keith Niebuhr, and I want to thank everybody for listening to this edition of the Auburn Undercover and Inside the Auburn Tigers podcast, the Auburn game against LSU on Saturday, 2.30 p.m. on CBS Sports, 2.30 Central time, I should point out. Everybody have a safe weekend and uh, enjoy the game. We'll do it again soon.